hi everyone thanks so much uh, for making the time to join this uh, ama uh, hope this will be as interesting uh, and useful to you as it is uh, to the both of us so this is going to be an informal chat about you know everything that's happening uh, at this point of time and how each of us uh, at ymo and moengage are reacting to this so yeah i'm roshan karepa i head marketing at ymo uh, i have with me ashwin uh, who heads um, marketing at moengage Hi Ashwin, thanks so much for uh, taking the time off to do this. Hey Roshan, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's it's my pleasure, um, okay. and I'm really excited to do this. And then hopefully we'll learn something from each other today. Yeah. So how has life changed after uh, lockdown? More of uh, cooking and cleaning. Yeah, I mean I have a two-year-old son, um, so yeah. things are a lot more hectic. um you know one of the things um, with 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 lockdown and the work from home is is that you kind of really don't know when 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 the when the office work ends and when your personal life begins yeah, it kind of bleeds into yeah, yeah right. so yeah. there's no demarcation yeah. as such so it's, it's it's kind of like it, it actually gets a lot more hectic uh, right. because when you were in the office you know once you step out of office you can kind of at least you have that 45 minutes of commute time and you kind of switch off yeah. during that commute time yeah Uh, and then you come in, and then you know your your family has full attention. But now it's sort of like all over the place. Um, yeah. But yeah, but that's 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 just a reality, I guess. I mean, that's that's pretty much how we have to. Yeah. Um, I guess work from home is going to be a new reality for for, for several months now. Um, so yeah. it's just we'll just have to figure out. So, what is the one hack that you picked up over the last you know six seven weeks? Oh, okay. Um, so I think personal or professional. it could be a better way to get uh, you know utensils washing done maybe <laughs> yeah i think um one hack that i've that i've sort of um figured out is is to sort of have a dedicated space for work um yeah. you know, at least I mean, when when we started working from home and with all the situation with all the covid situation you know i was like i'm going to sit on the couch i'm going to sit on the bed i'm going to sit here i'm going to sit there and all of that stuff and and you know and then it just never works um yeah. i think you know basically what i realized after some time was okay i'm just going to have like my own corner uh in yeah. the room and then i'm just and that's just going to be there um and that has really worked you know i mean even my 2 year old son knows yeah. that if i'm sitting in that corner and if the door is locked you know that i'm working right so yeah so so yeah i mean that that's that's really right. working um yeah i mean that's that's sort of helped to yeah. compartmentalize to some extent um a bit between work and 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 the whole other life that we have uh, that's something that i have learned as well right so i went through the journey as well of working anywhere on the bed on the couch uh, in any particular room and then you know i mean now i have sort of a designated spot that i've kind of uh, uh, engineered um yeah i mean so that's that's been helpful and uh, i listen to podcasts when uh, i'm washing utensils uh, so so it takes yeah. the pain away a bit <laughs> takes the pain away a bit trust me on that yeah <laughs> i mean the things we take for granted right oh yeah absolutely so ashwin i want to start with uh, you know things that have changed post covid right uh, i mean obviously a lot of lot has happened over the last uh, let's say 6 7 weeks uh, when did it first kind of hit you you know what is the first thing that uh, you know that signified this change for you i know the answer but i mean yeah no i think um so i think one of the first um so i think this was sometime end of march i i think it was march 22nd i mean i, I even remember the exact date um i was looking at our dashboard and and hubspot and um, you know and then there was so one of the things that we track is basically how many high intent leads we get on a week on week basis right so high intent leads for us is basically somebody who's requested for a demo or has filled up a contact us form on the website right so people have raised up their hands and said you know someone talk to me i want to know more about your product Um, right. So, so, so one of those things that that we track is that, and then I think between March second week and third week there was a slight dip, and then March fourth week it was like, you know, it just went all the way down, um, and yeah. then you know there was like panic, like oh my god, what's happening? Is HubSpot yeah. not working? Or you know, did the other forms not work? Even what's wrong? Uh, but I think that's when it started hitting us, right? I mean, that's when we started realizing that. Right. this this is going to be a lot more serious uh than than what we thought it would be because i think in 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 around february march the conversation was more around hey there's this virus in china so some of the southeast asian countries seem to be affected by it yeah. so what's our plan for southeast asia how do we change our plans for southeast asia yeah. so that was the conversation so it was always like 
you know, there's some countries in Southeast Asia being affected by it. And, you know, it's, right. it's not global, it's not us. But then I think March, you know, end of March, second week, third week, end of March was really where where it hit us. Um, and and I think, I mean, for, 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 for at least for about April, I guess, you know, we were all sort of trying to figure things out. And, you know, we didn't know where this was going to be heading. And, and honestly, I think there was also a bit of denial as well, you know, saying that, yeah. You know what, this pandemic will be contained, things will be back to normal after two or three months and all of that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, hey, you know, we've, we've beaten pandemics before, you know, there right. was SARS, there was MERS, there was Ebola, so we've kind of beaten all of that. So this too shall pass and all of that. But I think as time progressed and, you know, when we started coming to April end and May first week, so, so there's this resignation that, look, this is going to be there for a very long time. We have to learn to coexist. Yeah. Um, and there is going to be a new reality, whether we like it or not. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much uh, where we are right now. Um, right. But I think what has changed post COVID? I mean, apart from marketing budgets, <laughs> you know, I mean that has obviously changed. Um, but I think there's there's several things that have changed. I think there's there's obviously realization that you know cash is king. Um, you know we have to conserve cash. We have to extend our runway because, like I said, right? I mean this is going to be there for a very long time. So we need to be yeah. prepared for it. Um, there's also a lot more scrutiny on marketing spends and budgets, right? I mean, right. I think right now uh, the risk or the, the the risk appetite for sort of these risky experimental marketing spends have reduced. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, earlier we could sort of experiment a lot more uh, with regards to marketing channels, formats, offline activities, events, and whatnot. Uh, now the, the the focus is more towards, hey, if you are spending X amount on these marketing activities or campaigns. How is this going to impact or influence our pipeline and ARR, right? So, so there's, a, there's a lot more scrutiny yeah. on this. So, so, so the scale of our experiments needs to be a lot smaller um, yeah. than what it used to be before. Uh, yeah, I mean, calibrated risks in that sense. Exactly. So, so risks, but not, not beyond a certain scale, right? I right. mean, you can still do sort of these performance marketing experiments, right? Where you change landing pages, copies, all of that. Those are still fine. Obviously, those those will continue as business as usual. But, you know, but things like, you know, should we spend or should we invest, you know, $30,000, $40,000 on, on, on this huge event where we're going to do a big launch and all of that. Is that really worth it right now? So those are the kind of experiments and, and, and scrutiny that, that's really happening on, on the marketing side. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, so the the fortunate thing for me is that, that I really closely follow a couple of people on Twitter. That is uh, one, Nasim Talib, who mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of, and uh, Balaji Srinivasan as well, mm-hmm. uh, Coinbase. Uh, sure. And I think now he's with Anderson Horowitz, right? And these guys uh, started uh, signaling trouble early on, right? So Jan itself, uh, I think they were sounding alarm bells saying that, hey, guys, this is not just a flu. Uh, this is going to be a potentially life-changing event, right? Um, so engagement on your ads sort of uh, fall and then they dry up. Um, and then you're thinking, okay, you know what? Maybe, I mean, the copy is not working, right? Let me let me change or reorder some words and let me tweak that uh, audience a little bit and whatever. And then you realize that, look, I mean, no matter what you're doing, the particular set of group of ads that you were running which was doing, you know, a all right, uh, you know, just a while back is not is not working out, right? Then, you know, this huge scramble to kind of make new ad groups, come up with new copy and stuff like that, and then you realize that you know this is something fundamental has shifted mm-hmm. basically, right? Uh, and of course, I mean, events is a big deal for us. Uh, you know, roughly 50 percent of our leads and whatever comes through events because wow. you know. Our ticket size is large enterprise, right? Uh, so yeah, lead volume drops. Uh, uh, you know, some of your channels are not existent. Uh, and the way you kind of interact with the, everyone changed, right? I mean, so whether it's your own team, uh, your people in different functions or your customers itself. Uh, yeah, a lot of those changed. And a uh, couple of things that I'm happy about is that we started experimenting with uh, a few channels and a few types of messaging uh, mm-hmm. a little early on. So, uh, you know, up until February of this year, we hadn't done a single proper webinar, which is blasphemous for, uh, you know, B2B marketing teams. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, uh, you know, February, we did uh, this whole webinar. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, then since then, you know, roughly we've done one webinar a week as such, right? 
uh, and that has been a useful way to kind of like engage with our audience and sort of you know audience community at large and so on right uh, yeah sure. yeah so that that's been an interesting experience so in the time that you've had right now uh in the time that we've you know seen what are some of the positives that have emerged for you specifically yeah sure i think that's an interesting question so i think um so i'll give a bit of background and i think you know the answers that i that i tell will make more sense right so yeah moengage basically we are an enterprise saas product right so we are not sort of like a 50 dollar or 100 dollar type of a month software you know where people can come in swipe their credit cards and 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 subscribe for that right so it is an enterprise saas product uh, the acv is the annual contract values are typically much much larger uh, it runs in so tens of thousands of dollars hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes um so so it's 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 a fairly high touch kind of a product right because what we sell is is basically an engagement platform for for consumer brands right so if if, if it's a product owner or a growth marketer and in a mobile first brand um like a big basket or an ola uh etc you know and then they want to sort of retain and grow their customer base so it's 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 really on the customer retention side of things they can use our product to sort of engage and and grow their customer base so so it is a fairly mission critical high touch sort of a product right um and i think one of the things that happen when you know when when and and as a as a market this this market has been growing right i mean it's a fairly hot market for us uh we have been growing i think you know we we doubled our business in 2019 uh, and we were on our way to double our business even in 2020 um and you know and i think between 2018 and 2019 we again increased our revenue by about 3x or 4x so so it's really like you know sort of like a very rapid growth so when you have these kind of ingredients right um the focus is is more about hey how do i sort of drive this growth right you can't yeah. you you always got to be on and, and driving this growth right i mean it's it's week on week day on day month on month quarter on quarter you're sort of always you know your north pole metric is always sort of hey how much revenue am i adding how much pipeline am i adding it's, it's always yeah. about that and and it's always about moving from campaign to campaign right okay we did this event next is a webinar next is that next is a product launch there's this always this constant cycle of of, of you know of growing and, and growth um and one of the positives um with with this um with with this whole pandemic situation has been that The, there are projects which typically set you up for long term success and because of this you know growth because of this mad focus on 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 growth a lot of your mind share is focused on short term revenue growth some of these projects have sort of been sidelined right um and and i think these and and, and i think what the situation has done is given us a little bit more time a little bit more bandwidth to kind of focus on these projects right so for example we are fixing our website so we are looking at the messaging the content the design all of that stuff uh we are fixing gaps on how data flows between multiple tools right so we have hubspot we have salesforce we have salesloft we have that we have this, so we have like four or five different tools so how does data flow between these tools uh as one that we are that 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 we are sort of uh, trying to fix you know we are also fixing the blind spots in our attribution uh we are putting together a lead scoring mechanism i mean these are basics of marketing right and when you right. have to do these things anyway um you want to do these things but you never have the time or energy to kind of take a pause and you know revisit some of these fundamentals exactly so it's it's more like you know i mean as long as the revenue is going up attribution is fine right i mean it's great i mean you know things are moving yeah. in the right direction so um so i think these yeah. these are some of the things that we are fixing right so there were branding messaging inconsistencies for instance at multiple touch points so how do you kind of fix all of this uh the other part of it is also is around the team structure and and the culture for growth right i mean for long term growth uh so how do you kind of you know structure the team in a more sustainable manner rather than saying oh i have the skill gap i'm just going to hire somebody yeah um, right or so, capacity so, basically exactly so so i think these are some of the things you know that, that you sort of think about and and it gives you some time for for for, for fixing the plumbing um and i think the other aspect is is sort of it also helps you go back in a bit i mean go back to your customers right i mean you it gives you a chance to listen to more customers for example we have been putting together these virtual round tables uh, with our customers and, and high value strategic prospects and i get more time to actually listen to their perspectives and views and how they are handling the current situation and what they are seeing um and this becomes very invaluable for a marketer right because 
um, you know, right now you're in the sweet spot where you have the bandwidth and your customers also have the bandwidth to kind of talk about these kind of stuff. Otherwise, your customers are also focused on, hey, how do I run this campaign? How do I go from here? How yeah. do I go from there? Yeah. Um, you know, so so I think this is this is a good time to kind of go back to the basics of marketing, take some time out to fix some of the plumbing issues uh, and really build a more fundamentally strong marketing structure uh, which which can sort of help you plan for 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 a more robust growth in 2021 2022 you know and and potentially even farther beyond that yeah no i mean uh, i've had a very similar experience as well right so uh, i've had to kind of revisit some of those things that uh, you know we took for granted uh, you know success hides all all variety of sins right you don't really question once the that top line number is growing whether it's leads or opportunities or whatever, you don't really, you know, question why that is happening, uh, although you should, right? And, uh, uh, you know, revisit some of the fundamental things like, you know, whether how our data is flowing, as you mentioned, like fixing the plumbing, basically, right? Uh, are we doing the best to engage all of our leads uh, in the best possible manner, in the quickest quickest possible manner? You know, can, can some things be a little more accelerated? Can we try something else? Uh, because at this point we're really sweating every lead and opportunity, right? I mean, we're not we're not taking anything for granted. Absolutely. Uh, so we did a a webinar. Uh, I think yesterday we did a webinar. We had about three hundred signups and about one hundred and fifty people uh, ultimately attended uh, uh, the webinar, right? Now the question is, do you really want to hard qualify all of those three hundred people? Uh, and uh, I'm very tempted to say yes. But I know, I mean, I know this will kind of kill the team in, in some sense, right? Because, I mean, imagine calling 300 people, right? Yep. And we are a very lean team as well. Uh, but it at least gets you to sort of prioritize these things, right? So uh, so that and uh, I kind of think this is like a new problem for us to solve, you know? Uh, so, um, you know, I mean, I, if I set aside the anxiety, then purely from a problem-solving perspective, I'm pretty excited, you know, because people are going to go back to whatever it is. I mean, you call it the new normal or, you know, sure. the shifted median or whatever it is. People are going to go back to whatever it is in some time. But this is sort of an interesting time for us to introspect and see what else can be done, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I think, um, and, and you mentioned an excellent point, right? I think we've, we've really had to sweat out um, every single lead on an opportunity that comes our way. And what yeah. this forces you also is, is it forces you to become a lot more efficient, right? Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot more about, hey, am I getting the most uh, out of this, uh, out of this marketing spend or out of this campaign that I'm actually doing? Um, you know, rather than saying, we did a webinar, we got 300 folks, all right, let's go, go to the next marketing campaign. You know, the, yeah. the focus a lot more now and kind of keep telling this to my team saying, look, we need to shift our mindset from, I did this webinar, great. The question is, our mindset should be about then what, right? So yeah, exactly. start thinking through a lot more deeper down the funnel and, and not just, you know, sort of straightjacket yourself saying, okay, I did a webinar, I did an event, I did, you know, I, I, I ran some paid search ads, I got a few leads, great. But then what, right? How, is, how are those actually moving through the funnel? Who's following up on them? Are yeah. they getting great experience? What are the follow-up touch points? So I think this is, you know, so because, because you have these budget constraints, you have these, um you know i mean not just budget right i mean even even from a uh, market uh, you know sentiment point of view there are not many people who are actually willing to purchase software so even if there's one who's actually you know yeah. raising their hands and says yep i want to evaluate you want to make sure that they get the best possible experience right yeah uh, and then yeah. all the touch points are kind of optimized. Yeah. so yeah i absolutely agree with you I it, it sort of reminds me about this uh, Paul Graham article that I read some time back on on do things that do not scale, right? Uh, he that was his advice to early stage startups when you really don't have any understanding of what works and whatever. Uh, so if you get those five leads, go all in on those five leads, right? I mean, don't be like, okay, you know, let me build a process uh, to make this scalable and whatever, right? So. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like a back to the roots sort of an experience, uh, you know, as I keep saying, right? Uh, so let's move a little to the tactical stuff. What are the new channels that you're exploring? You mentioned virtual event. So how has that worked out for you? Yeah, I mean, I think virtual roundtables are great. But I mean, look, um, 
we've not experimented with too many different channels right i mean if you look at the channels that we're currently uh, operating on i mean obviously there's there's a bit of paid search that we do um you know obviously then there's the whole organic um seo sort of channels um so that's that's obviously there um and then you know i think the other main channel is, is sort of like you know the, the webinars and the round tables that we do and we sort of pair that with with paid social where we can be a lot more targeted towards the set of accounts that we actually want attending the webinars and the round tables right so we use mm-hmm. you know we, we use mainly linkedin to sort of drive very targeted audience for that along with emails of course you know, I mean, obviously uh, our sdr team and sales team and customer success team obviously they, they are in touch with their high value prospects and we want them to attend uh, some of the marketing campaigns that we do as well um so i think from a, from a channels perspective you're not experimenting too many things at this point in time i mean webinars obviously there's there's literally like a million webinars that happen uh, first on on a daily including basis including this one arguably including yeah this is linkedin live okay let's 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 yeah <laughs> difference difference let's there's a difference right? yeah anyway i mean uh what do you i mean we we've, we've experimented with linkedin live as well a couple of times um i think what has really worked for us um i mean apart from the other channels which which traditionally work i think virtual round tables has worked fairly well um i think i mean more than the channels i think you know the message is a lot more important than the medium uh, right i mean if i have a very strong value proposition if i have a messaging that resonates with my target audience and i have a very compelling copy even if i just use emails or, or you know just shout it out in front of the office right it works just fine yeah. um but having said that we have we've sort of experimented with a couple of different channels um you know one is obviously linkedin live and the other one's virtual round tables virtual round tables have worked well because we've kept it very non salesy um mm-hmm. we basically said look you know, we are all trying to figure out nobody has the answer so why don't we sort of get peers together to learn from each other types um and i think that's that's really worked no i mean uh, so marketing folks get uh, obsessed with channels right uh, you have uh, people who are uh uh expert event marketers expert uh, you know social marketers paid marketers and whatever and to me that's that's an absurd proposition because think about now right i mean imagine if you were if you were the designated event marketer yep. right you became redundant in like zero time you know yep. so i really feel like when it comes to channel it's about being where your customer is and being as relevant to that person right and you put it in a you know very nice way which is the messaging matters more than the medium right the medium is the way to reach that person but even after you reach that person you really have to be relevant to that person right uh, yep. so webinars have kind of worked for us uh, also the amount of sales execution that we're doing at this point of time right even as marketing right i mentioned hard qualifying all of these leads as well uh, i'm kind of noticing that people are ha- open to having a conversation not a sales conversation per se right so you pick up the phone you call and say hey you know what seem like seems like you attended this webinar how was your experience okay would you like to connect with any one of the panelists and so on and so forth right people are kind of happy about that uh, they also have a few questions that they would have wanted to ask the you know panelists or whatever we are even thinking of uh, you know kind of setting up a virtual networking right so uh this is again it's it doesn't it sounds fancy but then i mean it could be as low tech as you know google forms and emails right so which is figure you know who among the audience wants to kind of connect with each other and enable that connection on email right because one of the things that uh, people really appreciate on emails events uh one of the more the, the most important things is the networking right is the kind of people they bump into at these places which is absent in you know webinars and virtual events and so on so we kind of figuring how we can mimic that experience uh we sorting that stuff out and maybe you know maybe next week i'll have something to say about that so that and yeah i think one of the things from a, from this community building thing perspective right where you said people want to have a conversation and stuff like that i think at least in india and southeast asia just create a whatsapp group um, at least yeah, among exactly. the panelists or among yeah. the virtual round tables right i mean it's basically yeah. six or seven people who are all peers yeah um and and we have seen that in some cases uh, the conversation actually continues beyond the webinar and the panel yeah. and the virtual round tables whatever yeah. that is so yeah i mean it can be as low tech as you mentioned right just create a whatsapp group and yeah, yeah, yeah. talk on there one and whatsapp is a very low barrier channel they're used to it people are used to it they know how to yeah. use it so you don't have to teach them new tricks 
it's just you know it's easy to share data information over there so yeah in fact i mean i actually had a jd called community marketer whose only job i mean i'm obviously oversimplifying here whose only job is to create like 14 whatsapp groups you know of every different use case that uh, we can find regionally right so uh, because i think that becomes super important right community uh, i won't even call it community marketing i'll say community evangelism yep. where you know if you look at what we're doing right now which is you know really listening to each other trying to understand what's happening uh, and you know building our strategy and tactics around that right so why can't we do that with our prospects and customers as well because if you look at it as you know people selling to other people maybe you might not you you might find it sort of counterintuitive but if you look at it as people trying to solve problems that someone else has then it makes all the more sense to kind of hone in and listen to those folks yeah absolutely i agree with you i think um, so one of the things that we did last year was uh, we started last year was these series of events called as hash growth yeah um, which is basically a community initiative right um, so we basically said more engage is only going to organize these events where we're going to have speakers from mobile first companies product owners growth marketers entrepreneurs and we're going to invite people who are also from you know who are also product managers growth marketers from these mobile first companies and and the idea is to share actionable insights right um so for instance we did uh, you know we and, and then we executed a lot of these so we did one in march in i think gurgaon last year that was the first one phenomenal response right out of the whole one full day conference we had a 30 minute session where we spoke about more engage all the other sessions had nothing to do with more engage right it was all about fantastic you know all of that stuff so i think it worked great and it worked across regions right i mean it worked in the us it worked in europe it worked in southeast asian countries it worked in india it it worked phenomenally and i think you know it worked so well that i think in some of these um, southeast asian countries more engage started to be i think people people literally came up to the sales guys and said more engage oh yeah you guys organize hash growth right and i was like no that's not what we do we need product marketing okay there's a product marketing problem to fix right <laughs> you know we are a product company we are not an event organizers um, but i agree with you i think i well, think that's, that's fantastic i mean if uh, see i mean i i would take that happily right i mean if uh, your prospect or customer thinks that you facilitate uh, conversations on that on that particular topic that they're interested in that's gold right because essentially what they're saying is they're giving you that credibility of uh, uh, of a person who facilitates that uh, that conversation right so yep. uh, selling almost becomes incidental at some point of time i feel you know yep. because our experience as well uh, with some of the round tables that we did earlier is that you know we, there was this weird uh, situation at the end of the round table where we had people kind of suggesting to us saying hey why don't you sell this instead this is something that's a validated problem with this little bit of a tweak on your product you know i would so buy this uh, solution you know oh, yeah. so oh yeah absolutely and and that's a great space to be in right i mean you are actually getting extremely valuable feedback which you wouldn't exactly. get otherwise right i mean yeah. because otherwise yeah. people are always going to you know your target market is probably going to always look at you as a vendor yeah uh, and and there's a whole and and typically building that relationship where they get comfortable enough to share these insights is yeah takes a longer time right i mean you have to first sell deliver implement show the results and it takes yeah. years for them to do this but this is sort of like a hack if you want to call it as where where you can yeah. get to get to those insights a lot faster so yeah absolutely yeah. agree with you so in in some ways if you look at it marketing is sort of like having conversations at scale right you want to arrive at that that kernel of truth uh, in the least amount of time right uh, being as relevant to your prospects and customers as possible so so that's you know on channels uh, have you guys worked on uh, you know have you accelerated your production of ebooks and uh, resources and stuff like that so i think yeah i mean so there are two things right so if you look at the target market and we sort of reference this in in our earlier um, you know few minutes ago um see there's a lot of uncertainty right so so it is an unprecedented situation for all of us right there's no playbook and and for even our customers right so and this is not a man made recession or a slowdown right i mean this is out of everybody's hands um and in such situations typically you know what we realized was that our target audience either they want to sort of know trends they want data that can help them react better and not another generic con- content which says you know what you should focus on customer retention right 
no, of course, genius, you know, everybody wants to do that, right? Uh, so what they really wanted was, hey, can, can you actually show me data? Can you tell me something that's really useful, something that can help me get better insights? Um, and the second thing they do is they talk to others, like you rightly pointed out, right? They go to industry. Whenever people are faced with these uncertain situations, they go to industry, you know, events, network, they try to learn from each other. Uh, and that's what we have focused on, right? So what we did was um, we use data from our own platform. Fortunately, we have a lot of data on our platform. Um, you know, we have about a, we have about 200, 300 customers who send billions of messages across push notification, emails, in-app messages, you know, all these multiple channels. Literally billions of messages go out on a, on, 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 on a daily basis uh, to about 500 million monthly active users, right? So a tremendous amount of data on our platform. Um, so, so what we did was we, we and, and this is across multiple app categories, right? So we've got customers who are in, who are in travel and hospitality, which, which is absolutely hit the hardest uh, to somebody like a big basket, you know, which is probably doing better than the others. Um, so we've got across cap categories, travel and hospitality, healthcare, fitness apps, e-commerce apps, mobility apps, um, fintech apps, um, all of these, right? So, so we, we sort of took all of these uh, and and where we did not have enough data, we leaned on our partners. Um, you know where where they can sort of plug in some of the data gaps that we have. Um, to give you an example, I think about a month ago we we, we partnered with Aptopia, uh, which mm-hmm. is one of the um, two major uh, app store intelligence companies. So we partnered with Aptopia, and and we sort of analyzed about a about 1.5 billion um, app users. Uh, you know, we analyze their behavior, we analyze the downloads, we analyze the daily active users across multiple categories, geographies. Uh, and then we sort of came out with, with, a, with, a, with a fairly detailed ebook, right? So it was like a 55 page ebook. We even drew a quadrant, you know, sort of like inspired by the magic quadrant where we said, which are the ones which are emerging, which app categories are in an emerging quadrant, which are sort of in an explosion quadrant, which are sort of in a slowdown quadrant and all of that. And that worked superbly, right? I mean, we we spent zero dollars on product on on distribution, right? Um, and it's been picked up across the globe, right? I mean, we've had venture capitalists, we've had analysts in you know in regions like Brazil where nobody even knows us, right? Uh, all of those people picking it, you know, talking about it, tweeting about it. Uh, we saw a lot of organic downloads. I think you know, last time I checked, in about thirty days, we had like six hundred um, MQLs, which are relevant leads who have actually downloaded this report. Um, so yeah, so I think that's one shift where we are trying to do, where we are saying, how do we sort of create content? Uh, and and the report is just one example, right? Even a webinar is a content. Um, mm. And and that's, so, so what we are trying to do is how do we sort of create a more data-driven, actionable, insightful content, um, you know, so, so that people can sort of anchor towards that, uh, anchor their business professional decisions towards that, rather than, you know, content, which is at a, which is very SEO optimized and at a yeah. 30,000, 40,000 level, which, which talks yeah. about 10 ways to do this, 10 14 ways to, to do that. Exactly. This is the new normal. This is that. Of course, you know, people know that, right? I mean, you don't need, you don't need to be the millionth brand to say the same thing again. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's really where, uh, where most of our um, content efforts have been. Uh, I think the other part of it, other part of on the content effort is also that, you know, the, the time, the purchase cycles have increased, right? Because people are more reluctant uh, to take decisions. You know, there's a lot more scrutiny, just like how, you know, our budgets, you know, my budgets within Moing Game, there's a lot more scrutiny on the marketing budget on why we are spending certain things. Is it really necessary? And, you know, there's, there's a lot more scrutiny before I actually make any purchases within Moing Game, right? So, so similarly, even our customers, there's a lot more scrutiny. Um, so in fact, our you know SQL to opportunity conversion times have increased quite a bit. Um, and and the other piece of content we are trying to bring out is is how do we sort of help people help our target market um, to help build this business case internally within their organization, uh, so that some of these purchase cycles can be accelerated. Um, and and yeah. and a lot of that is predominantly being done uh, through the webinars that we have, through some of the virtual workshops that we have been doing, where we are saying. Um, Look, we're, we're going to talk about one specific problem and the impact of that problem, and and try to quantify that, uh, so yeah. that it be, becomes easier for for our target market and, and for our customers to kind of go back and say, look, this is this is the impact in real money terms if if we don't do something about this. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that's really where the, the two areas of focus on the content side of things. One is really on the data driven 
actionable, insightful type of thing. And the other one's really around building real use cases rather than saying, you know, rather than being very flowery and, you know, <laughs> the whole about those, uh, uh, about the content. Yeah. No, I mean, one of the important things that you mentioned was helping your prospect buy your solution, right? So, which is, so something that we've realized as well that, you know, I mean, any enterprise buying process has, you know, many different uh, stakeholders, sometimes with uh, differing priorities and so on, right? So, really helping them buy your solution should be a dedicated activity as such, right? So, we started doing something called hero videos uh, mm. uh, sometime last year, which is, you know, can I concisely summarize my value for this particular uh, company in about two, two and a half minutes that they can share on WhatsApp or email or LinkedIn or whatever it is uh, and get consensus, right? Drive consensus faster. Uh, I think webinars have worked fantastically well as well, you know, as a way of keeping your op- your prospects and customers sort of warm in this period, right? So mm-hmm. keep, keep, uh, keep you top of mind per se, right? So, yeah, I mean... Uh, how have you changed on the messaging front uh, as such? Not really. I mean, we've not changed messaging too much, right? Um, I think we've just paused campaigns which were more direct or salesy in nature. Um, but, you know, again, going back to the answer that I provided, what we've done is we've sort of uh, reflected, uh, when we've, we've sort of tried to reflect our messaging based on the consumers, based on the state of mind of, of our uh, customers, right? Uh, which is basically saying that look, we understand this is an uncertain market, so we're not going to be, so we're not going to come across as very prescriptive about retention and engagement and all of that. You know, we're just going to provide you data uh, and then sort of help you make your own conclusions on what is actually right for your business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 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 so we've we've seemed to be anchoring a lot more on that. Um, you know, and and that's the same messaging we're going even with the virtual roundtables, right? So we're basically saying, look, this is sort of like a closed door Zoom conversations. Six or seven marketing or product leaders. So you guys kind of discuss amongst yourself. You know, try to learn from each other. Uh, where we are just going to be sort of like passive moderators. You know, we might come in with an insight now and then based on uh, some of the customer examples that we have seen. Uh, but I think the me- the overarching messaging has been sort of like, hey, we understand this is this is a very uncertain situation. So what is it that we can do to to sort of help you? Um, you know, navigate through this situation, right? Whether it's in terms of providing the data for the content, providing data back content, organizing the virtual roundtables, helping you build certain use cases. So it's it's, it's really sort of that uh, rather than saying, hey, you know what, you can use this for hyper growth or, you know, you can, you can use this for, you know, operations at scale and all of that. So, so there's a slight shift. So there's not a major change in the messaging. Uh, so some of the earlier campaigns, which are like, for example, I think, you know, we, we came, I think, just before the COVID situation came in, we had launched this ebook which talked about how to set up teams for hyper growth, right? Now, obviously, yeah. we've kind of gone a little slow on that because nobody wants hyper growth now, right? I mean, people are not thinking about it. Um, so, so, slight change in messaging, um, but nothing drastic. I mean, our fundamental value prop is still the same, right? I mean, we help uh, our customers retain more users. We help them increase their customer lifecycle value. Um, right. So that hasn't really changed. Recession, no recession, customer retention, you know, uh, customer engagement is something that that people have always been doing for hundreds of years, and they'll continue to do for hundreds of years. Channels may change, mobile will come, whatever. I mean, AR will come, blah blah blah. But you're still going to have to retain customers. So, so the fundamental value prop hasn't really changed for us. Yeah, yeah. So I I feel like I mean it's more of a shift from vitamin to painkiller at this point of time. Yep. You know. Uh, yeah, I mean that that's interesting. Any new use cases that you've kind of stumbled across opportunistically because of the crisis as such? Uh, not really. I think um, I think I mean fundamentally our use cases have not changed. So there has not been any new use cases as such. Um, I think uh, I think we will uncover new use cases as we go forward uh, because. Purely because mobile adoption, mobile app adoption is just going to, is, is just expected to, you know, increase um, after yeah. the situation, right? Uh, whether it's banking, whether it's uh, retail, whatever that is, right? I mean, people, brands have kind of realized that, look, we can't push this decision any longer. We really have to have, uh, we really have to rethink our business as, as a mobile um, first business and not really as a traditional business, right? Like, for example, 
banks, right? I mean, if, if I talk to some of some of the younger relatives that I have, you know, sort of like teenage year relatives who are like 15, 16 years old, for them, a bank is an app. I mean, they have no concept or they have no understanding of, of a bank being a physical Lingos, entity. Salons and like standing exactly, in the queue. Right? Don't even know what like, color is, I think. Exactly. I'm like, when I was your age, you know, there was something called as a demand drop, there was a chalan, there was, you know, there was, there was a cashier, there was that. And, so I think people have sort of started realizing that brands have started realizing that look, you know, we it's it, you know, we can't treat mobile engagement as sort of like one channel. It's got to be sort of reimagined the entire thing. So I think that that's really going to increase. Um, you know, it's, it's it's especially with the contactless future that we envision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I we will uncover new use use cases, obviously. Um right now we haven't uncovered any. I mean We've not been very salesy also, to, to be honest. So we've not really uncovered a lot of uh, use cases so far. Yeah. So, I mean, something that's uh, that's going to definitely change post this is that the internet uh, and, you know, device independence, so to speak, right, is, is going to become a normal after this, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can't be tied to systems. You can't be tied to a particular way of uh, being because, hey, I mean, something like this might happen and then you have to revisit everything, right? So uh our mobile first capabilities uh have been like sort of uh become more or less like desktop independence at this point of time so people don't have sales folks don't have access to data access to information uh and so on so we were able to facilitate this in a distributed fashion because we were uh anyway helping remote sales teams uh do more in some sense right so yeah i mean that and uh we've discovered a few couple of uh new use cases and so on Right, something that we didn't think that we would possibly play in, but hey, I mean, we're being opportunistic about uh, those things, and you know, not really changing strategically, but you know, hey, an additional fifty k or a hundred k didn't hurt, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, most welcome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So one of the things that uh, you know I mentioned earlier was that you know the way you interact with your teams, with other functions and stuff, right? Obviously, I mean, this has changed. Uh, how has that changed for you? So how, is, how has that changed for you in terms of your interacting with your own team itself um, and, you know, you are interacting with other functions and so on? Yeah, I think, um, see, one of the things is um, there's a lot more catch-up conversations that happen, which needs yeah. to be you. <laughs> you know, I mean, what would, have, what would possibly have been accomplished when you're in the office by just, you know, walking over to someone's desk and, and just asking about it or, you know, just standing up and shouting and getting things done. Uh, you know, you need to kind of sort of schedule those conversations now. So, so there's a lot more scheduled, formal conversations that that needs to be done mm-hmm. uh, to kind of accomplish the tasks that we have. Uh, what this has also done is it sort of accelerated our own usage of certain tools, especially for some of the creative projects like in design, etc. Right, where earlier we had the luxury of actually just sitting with a person and then giving feedback and you know pointing at their screen and saying, you know, what this doesn't look, <laughs> this doesn't look, you know, etc. So. So it's it, it sort of accelerated our own adoption of some of these design and you know creative collaborative collaboration tools. Um, so that's there. So so basically, I mean, it's a lot more catch up. It's I think you know we've we've been trying to over communicate. Uh, I think that's one thing. One learning for yeah. me has been that yeah. it's always better to sort of over communicate during these situations because you don't have the luxury of you know. Of, of, you can't of, take it for granted as such. I mean, exactly. you should never have to take it for granted. But then I mean you sort of, uh, I think purely by osmosis, right? I mean, just by being around people, you transmit certain information, right? So you either look at someone's screen or, I mean, happen to catch someone talking about something or, I mean, all you have to do is look and, you know, query that person and you have that. So, yeah, I mean, my experience has been similar as well in terms of doubling down on uh, catch-ups. I'm not sure my team appreciates that, but, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, a lot more... uh, a lot more catch-ups and uh, you know i joke that i'm probably going to emerge out of this with like bionic ears or something <laughs> like that, right so my my earphones are perennially plugged in so how is it translated to you know interactions with other functions and so on so do you talk to sales even more now than before oh yeah absolutely i mean look um if we have to execute these marketing campaigns it's absolutely important that we talk a lot more right like for example yeah. if you know, take the virtual roundtables itself now, it's absolutely important that we get the right people within those virtual roundtables, right? I mean, within marketing, I can't just go and invite some random people, right? Yeah. Um, so absolutely. So we've we've got a we've we've got the collaboration. We have those weekly calls. We have those you know regular catch ups where we say, look, 
you are doing these marketing campaigns who are the people we should be inviting who's your strategic prospects um where do you need um you know where do you need support in terms of uh, deal acceleration right so is there you know there, there could be some deals where it's, it's like a 20k 30k mrr type of a deal and the person has gone cold like what do you do then right so how do you kind of reactivate some of those you know can we invite them to a round table instead or can we sort of invite them and you know to speak in a webinar instead so so yeah so there's there's a lot of collaboration between uh, between between uh, marketing and sales now um i think you know I, i i joke that we are one of those very few organizations where marketing and sales don't fight frequently um uh, you know i think i think I've, i've been lucky i think you know our our, our sales leadership I, i gets marketing right. um i think you know one of the other things also has helped me that uh, i also have a sales background so i'm not your typical marketer who actually came with a brand communication sort of a background and then something that we both have in common actually yeah so the fact so, that we've been sales people before exactly so i think that also sort of helps uh, because i can relate to some of the pains of sales people and sort of yeah. address those yeah um so yeah i think there's there's a lot more collaboration between sales csms uh, the sdr the inside sales team uh, and the partnership team as well i mean that's something that 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 we are absolutely yeah. ramping up now yeah. um you know we can especially in these times it i don't think it's 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 advisable to try and do everything alone it's it's always better yeah. to have uh, like a set of partners who's who sort of complement your product who who can co market to um and then sort of leverage uh, their networks and their skill sets um in areas where you are not strong yeah no definitely definitely i feel because see I, i mean something that we spoke about earlier as well right so when there is you know when the leads are flowing in when there's opportunities and then there's revenue happening nobody really questions as to you know how these things are happening but now more than ever i mean i see like a lot more collaboration between uh, you know marketing and sales functions because there isn't really an option at this point of time right yep so so yeah i mean i am talking to my sales folks a lot more in terms of hey i mean what did that you know particular prospect say uh what are some new use cases or new types of uh, concerns queries that you're hearing uh, and so on right so uh, we also started building out a, a gtm function a go to market function sort of like a quasi product marketing function uh, sometime in november december last year uh, and the relevance of that has become like super important right now just in terms of aligning you know sales marketing product and so on right so yeah i'm really happy that we were sort of proactive on that front uh because yeah i mean it's it's worth every it's worth every dime that uh, we've spent on that uh now right uh what about you know product and so on i mean are you actually like talking to product about hey i mean is there this is something that we're hearing from the market is there something that you could kind of uh, hack together that we could uh, you know beta test out there uh, mm-hmm. figure out if this thing has legs and you know uh maybe that's a new solution that we could look at or something of that sort um not really i think um so i think one of the things is with this current situation our product roadmap has not changed much um so i mean we like i said right i mean our fundamental value prop has still remained the same mm-hmm. uh, i mean i know that there are certain businesses during these times where you know the fundamental their fundamental assumptions of being in business have been sort of upturned so you know they've had to requestion Uh, and reposition a lot of things. I mean, I was just reading a newspaper article yesterday which said that um, Make My Trip has started doing deliveries now. Yeah, because nobody is yeah. booking tickets. So fortunately, you know, things like that has not happened to us. So yeah, I mean, I think from a product perspective, nothing much has changed for us. Um, I think we we still continue to remain faithful to the original product roadmap that we have uh, at the beginning of the year. I think we we still committed to we still committed to that. i mean there's there's some changes in terms of ui and stuff like that which which has been sort of customer feedback that 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 that, that we have been getting so those are some of the things that we are working on and, and we're trying to fix that but other than that i mean not a lot of um, change or inputs into the product roadmap i mean it's it's we, we 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 continue to remain committed to that so not a lot of change there yeah no in our case i mean some things have gotten a little more accelerated i suppose mm. right uh so we weren't typically solving this uh, uh, remote work per se right i mean it is right. remote work quite incidentally for us because we're a mobile first solution uh, mm-hmm. but yeah i mean some of those things in terms of collaboration like you know zoom integration for example whatsapp integration some deep integrations on those front right uh, have gotten accelerated on the roadmap uh, 
yeah but nothing nothing fundamental as such because i think so that's another thing that you know i mentioned earlier in one of my sessions is that i think it's it's important to change tactically it's it's yeah. maybe like you know like a question of survival if you don't change tactically but then i don't think you should strategically shift your business right so so i give that example of uh, airbnb having to sell those uh, you know fancy conflicts right yeah. uh, because the guy maxed out on his credit cards and for survival it's not like i mean they moved into the conflict business after that they continued to become i sure. mean stay true to their original mission and they became airbnb right basically yep. Yep. so uh, you know we are approaching the last uh, segment of uh, this sort of am <laughs> right wow. and, okay yeah, and, yeah i hope i hope people are not bored man i mean is anyone even listening to this or like <laughs> i think we can talk for hours Sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what are those metrics that are really important for you at this point of time? What is it that you are tracking on a daily, weekly basis? Yeah, I mean, I think in marketing, there's there's always an overdose of metrics. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's there's too many things to measure, and you're like, okay, what 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 do I measure on a daily basis? But uh, but I think I mean, look, fundamentally, also if you look at it, we have always been a fairly a capital efficient organization right and and when you're a fairly capital efficient organization you have to uh, you know i mean you're forced to sort of fundamentally i mean you're so you you're forced to align to real business metrics right which is really pipeline and arr correct exactly. and that is what we have always everything measured. should be a proxy for that exactly so that that's pretty much what we've always measured i think even in 2019 you know we were always laser focused on how many opportunities are we creating what's the value of those opportunities uh even in 2020 there's there's even more focus because we've had some learnings from the mistakes we committed in 2019 and we're like okay you know how do we further sharpen those focus and then how do we further make make those metrics more realistic um so so i think at a north goal perspective uh, fundamentally it's, it's you know one of the main metrics that we measure is is really marketing pipeline contribution marketing pipeline influenced you know what is it that we are doing to actually build that pipeline um and one of the one of the good things that we did was to sort of have all these data uh, and then build out sort of like a two or three member marketing operations team who sort of you know enable these kind of uh, metrics to be processed because it's not easy i mean it's easy to say that hey we measure on pipeline right but mm. between a lead and a pipeline and even before a lead and a pipeline 100 things that happen right 100 things are happening so you've got yeah. to yeah yeah that and attribution is never an exact science right yeah. so Yeah. Um, so so yeah, I mean, I think so. so we fortunately we built all those. Uh, we built most of those pieces um, to sort of be able to say that look, this is what the pipeline contribution has been. Uh, so fundamentally, I don't think much has changed from a pipeline. I mean, from from a metrics perspective, um, you know, obviously we you know, we measure all those metrics before you know it converts to a lead, whether it's website traffic, social engagement. You know, session length and MQL, MQL to SQL conversions and SQL to opportunity conversions. I mean, so obviously we measure a host of metrics around that. Um, but I think if if I were to define one North Star metrics, it's it's pure play, pipeline addition, uh, and and ARR addition. That that's really the pipeline. Met- I mean, that's really the North Star metric where where you know our OKRs, most of our OKRs are set towards that. Most of my team's OKRs are set towards that. Um, so yeah, yeah I, mean, it, I think it just drives a different. culture a culture of performance a culture of accountability yeah no and uh, also you don't get you know side tracked or subverted by some of these vanity metrics right uh, yeah so i think that is pretty much uh, you know i'm probably not measuring pipeline on a weekly basis as such because we don't add that kind of basis like honestly i mean we don't add pipeline on a daily weekly basis but uh, something that we do look at is lead volume right and lead velocity that is you know am i doing better than what we were doing you know last week or last mm-hmm. month right uh, at least are we trending in the right direction so that we can pivot if uh, if necessary right so that's something that we are looking at and of course you know sweating every lead to opportunity making sure that you know every lead is given its due uh, what percentage of these are converting to opportunities and what we could do better on those fronts yeah yeah so people say you know this is the new normal and whatever it is right so okay. how are you preparing uh, for life after this so one of the things that i am extremely scared of is uh, you know that i am not too under leveraged you know because you can actually look at uh, this phase as you know how do i survive how do i survive on a daily basis and actually come out of this pretty weak actually right think of it as like a you know 300 day starvation it's not like the person i mean the person has made it out alive after that but then i mean it's not like he's 
you know ready and uh, ready to go basically because the 2x 3x growth expectation will come back sooner than required i mean sooner than uh, we can expect right so how do we sort of set ourselves up for that and not be under leveraged i think see couple of things right the so one is at this point in time i don't know what what the new normal is going to be right i mean we can speculate yeah. and we can do all of that but i think there's going to be a lot of trials a lot of you know trial and error before people sort of figure out what's the normal situation right whether it's going to work whether it's going to shopping whether it's taking a bus or a train or a flight or whatever that is right so mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of trial and error and people trying to figure out that is so i think you know one is i'm just trying to have an open mind <laughs> you know because at this point in time i've said look i i mean i i don't know what's going to happen so might as well have an open mind and you know just, just but calmly and figure out okay look it is what it is let's just try to figure out and do the best of the situation uh but i think you know one thing i mean, i agree with you i think you know once whenever things slowly start sort of coming back to normal there's always going to be this expectation saying how do we sort of get back onto the earlier growth path right uh so that that's that expectation is always going to be there um i mean it's always going to come back whenever it does um i think one is i mean look um i don't see that necessarily as a bad thing right i mean mm. we were in that situation right i mean we were in that situation yeah. where, you know 2x growth every year or growing revenue 100% every year was was sort of like this is my goal this is our expectation what are we going how, how are we going what achieve? doesn't kill you makes you stronger exactly so now it's just that you've got these you've got this 9 months you know 6 to 9 months sort of a breather yeah. where things are paused and and you actually get a chance to kind of fix these plumbing and the engine and, and a lot of other things so yeah. that when you actually get out of it you you're in a much more stronger position to say you know what exactly you can get those 1x or 2x or 3x or whatever that growth is uh, yeah. because you have the con- because you know that because sometimes what happens you sort of build all these growth engines on a very fragile foundation right and as a marketer you sort of know where the fragility is right uh, you know that hey you know what here's here's this thing which if it breaks this whole structure is going to collapse right yeah. um so now sort of this it gives you the confidence yeah. thing that let's let's collapse. fix those fragile yeah. aspects um so that so that the entire structure that i'm building sort of doesn't really collapse yeah no very important point uh, something that i am personally mindful for mindful of as well uh yeah so before we wind up uh, ashwin any parting words of advice to all of the hard working marketers who are listening to this uh don't listen to me i think that's the complete advice <laughs> come on come yeah. on i mean uh, you've given me plenty of food for thought right so you have to do better than that not yeah, going to no, let you I, go before that no i think um i mean look one one thing that has always worked for me was uh was sort of you know be a lot more action oriented um you know yeah. don't don't sort of sweat out too much detail i mean just just analysis paralysis yeah just just go ahead and execute i think that's 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 really important and second is be a lot more data driven i think um, you know focus on real metrics focus on on things that that actually add value to the business rather than saying hey you know what that my social campaign got 300 likes like <laughs> so what mm. um so i think um, so, so i think if if i were to sort of give out two things that that has really worked for me it's that i mean it's it's bias for action just just execute uh, pace of execution is really really important in marketing i mean you know when people have this utopian idea that marketing is sort of like this creative thing where you know you mm-hmm. sort of come up with something that that that's there and all of that stuff but but the fact of the matter is like hardly 0.1% of all the campaigns that are created in this world really you know sort of become like 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 the apple or 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 the or, the, yeah. or even like yeah. the apples of the world right i mean something that's really creative stands the test of time and all of that yeah but 99.99% of us we do seo everybody does seo everybody does content everybody does paid search everybody does webinars everybody does events everybody does the same thing right and, and i think who wins are, are the ones who actually does it faster and better than anybody else yeah um, so so that bias for action is super important and and second i think is, uh, the measure reach of course man i mean it's it's just yeah. you can keep doing it but if you're not improving and and the only way to know if you're improving or not is is sort of like you know being focused on those metrics yeah i mean something uh, dave uh, gerard of uh, uh, i think now he works at privy uh, earlier at drift 
something he said recently is it makes a lot of sense right so he and he put it very plainly as well so he said that look you don't have the time or the skills to come up with that one particular uh viral campaign per se right and it's not going to be your campaign number 1 it's probably going to be campaign number 99 for all for all that matters i'm paraphrasing but so but what you could do is like get those 50 40 90 uh you know campaigns or you know whatever it is that you're doing out the window right because that's the only way you're going to learn as well um yeah i mean that's that's yeah that's that's something that you know i live by as well so yeah so ashwin this has been fascinating uh, as i mentioned you know a lot of food for thought for me to go back and reflect and like you know for all of us to learn as well so thanks so much uh, for taking the time off to do this uh, we should do a follow up soon absolutely hey thank you so much roshan it was it was my pleasure thanks for having me and uh, stay safe everyone hopefully we'll get through this stronger on the other side thanks for tuning in to this episode of the startup operator we'll interview operators at fast growing startups and curate insights that can help you do better. This podcast is available on all popular platforms. If you like our content, don't forget to subscribe and share. Thank you. Until next time, put your head down and execute.